Nightmarica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we are doing, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts and showing us your support at patreon.com slash Aaron Sagers. Welcome to Nightmarica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhood. Episode 54, Virginia City Haunts, with a brief detour to California for some true crime, with author and historian Janice Oberding. Ahoy hoy, Americans! I am your host, Aaron Sagers, journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, and currently seen on Paranormal Caught on Camera, on Travel Channel, and Discovery Plus, now at the tail end of its fourth season with a fifth season right around the corner. And you know what? I am going to dive right into today's topic and bring our guest in. Coming up here in a couple weeks, October 7th to the 10th, 2021, to be precise, I am going to Virginia City for the Virginia City Comstock Con. And I'm really excited about it because I've never been to this particular location. This is a new one for me. And it's one that's been on my bucket list for a while. It's one that I've been trying to get to for a while. And crazy activity is out there. And I thought, you know what? We need a historian to walk us through this journey of Virginia City before I go out there do a little bit of a tutorial. So I decided to reach out to a woman that literally wrote the book about Haunted Virginia City. In fact, she wrote the book, Haunted Virginia City, along with Haunted Reno, Ghosts of the Goldfield, and Tonopa, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, Tonopa, Ghosts and Legends of Nevada's Highway 50, The Haunting of Las Vegas, and she has a brand new book out called The Big Book of California ghost story. She's a historian, a true crime buff, a paranormal enthusiast, an investigator, author of more than 30 books on topics ranging from ghosts to true crime to history, the strange, the unusual. She wrote, writes both nonfiction and fiction. She was raised in California and Nevada, which I think you can see based on uh, reflected in her work. And in 2001, she created the History Mystery Ghost Walk in downtown Reno based on her book, Infamous Reno. In 2002, she helped to develop Truckee Meadows Community College's Paranormal Series, which started as a one-day conference, and it continues to this day. So, without further ado, let me bring our guest, our author, our historian, into the chat. Everybody, make some noise wherever you are. She will feel it for Janice Oberding. Janice, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for asking me, Aaron. Yes, and as I said, I'm asking you because you are the person that wrote the book on Haunted Virginia City, but, you know, I'm going to be seeing you in a couple weeks at the Virginia City Comstock Con. And but this is not the first time we've been chatting. We we've uh, we've had a couple interactions in the past. 
on your expertise, right? Yes, we have. We we had um, Janice was so kind a couple years ago to join me for a panel at Comic Con in Reno. We did a, you know, when I do these Comic Cons, I try to do the what I call the paranormal city panels, and every every city is we're talking about the haunts, the urban legends, the mysteries hyper local tales connected to those regions. So we did that in Reno and then did we did another one as well, right? Did we do a couple of them? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a couple of years. Yeah, in it's fact, been a few years. In fact, just this past year and a half has felt like a couple of years, uh, several years yeah, in yeah, fact. Yeah. Um well, thank you for joining and a lot of the nice folks in the room are saying hello. I see Christine Larson. She's going to be joining us at Virginia City. We've got Chris. We've got Barb. We've got Jackie. We've got Tammy and Thomas. So everybody's saying hi to you out there. And um, and, and we're thrilled to have you here. So before we dive in, I guess the first question I have, uh, the you know, tell us a little bit, because it is called Virginia City Comstock Con. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not quite ready to get into the Virginia city history. I want to talk to you, but explain the word Comstock for people that may not quite get that. Okay. But first I've got to tell you, I just noticed your shirt. It's really cool. (laughs) Yes. For for those that are listening to this, instead of watching, I, I think it's a fairly festive shirt, although I wear it all year long. We got some jack-o'-lanterns and ghosts and gravestones on it. So it's, it's on brand in my hat is a Mothman hat, so all all things spooky right now. Right in season. Um, (laughs) Well, Comstock, actually, one of the the men who discovered the silver, it it was named Henry Comstock. And so that is, it's named for him. And the Comstock includes Virginia City, Gold Hill, Silver City. It's that whole area there. It's not just strictly Virginia City. But Comstock covers it all. Okay, so it sort of means a a, – it's a way of referring to sort of the silver trade out there. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. But like I said, I really want to learn about you. Of course, you were raised in California and Nevada, um, according to your bio. And let's uh, let's let's dig into that a little bit more. Um, what was the split? Was it a fifty-fifty split? Uh, talk about where you grew up, and also when this fascination with not just paranormal, but the true crime elements and the mysteries, kind of how that set in for you. What's your origin story, Janice? Okay, well, um, my origin story is uh, <laughs> actually I lived in Monterey until I was, eh, I don't know, 11. And my mom and dad divorced, and my dad stayed in Monterey, and my mom came to Reno. And so I was like a back and forth kid, if you know what I mean, back and forth visiting my dad, my mom, my dad and mom. Uh, And I've always loved the history of both California and Nevada. I think it's a fascinating, it's a very different history, but interconnects at times, but it's a fascinating history, both. Um, I had a 
maternal grandmother who was fascinated and interested in the paranormal, in ghosts in particular, and she entertained my sister and I with ghost stories, ghost, ghost, ghost. And she also read the old uh, detective magazines. And even when we were kids, she would be telling us about the crimes she was reading about. And um, that's basically how the interest has always been there. I believe that if you're a historian, although maybe a few won't admit it, but if you're a historian and you're researching and studying history, you're always going to find a ghost or paranormal or something because I believe that history and the paranormal are just right there. They're connected. Um, you can't really, to my way of thinking, in, involve yourself or study one or research one without also researching the other to some degree. So basically, that's it. And I, I would agree with that. You know, I'm, I approach things more from a journalistic perspective and research and, you know, history as well. And I do often say that while belief in ghosts is one thing, I try not to force or force it down people's throats. But ghost stories are a great way of keeping history alive. And ghosts themselves are sort of history demanding to be remembered. So the, it is a, I, I, I agree with it, but as a little kid, you, now you were also growing up during, in these cities during times of the, 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 the times that we are, we kind of romanticize through pop culture. And I'm even thinking about California during a certain era, Hollywood starlets and studios and things like that, whether it's whether it's in Nevada or California, California, what was they was there a, a specific true crime case, let's say, that you remember as a young girl, young woman that really kind of stuck with you where you were like, holy moly, like this is maybe dark. This is this is disturbing, but boy, am I fascinated and I want to learn more. Well, um, okay, I'll tell you. As a kid, and then I'm as a as a kid, um, Carol Chessman was a man who was executed in the uh, in San Quentin in California, and I'm not really sure of the exact date. It was the late fifties, is all I know. And he was a writer, and, and he had written several books. Uh, while on his, he was to my way, he was a pretty good writer, and he wrote several books while he was on death row, waiting to be executed. And actually, his crime—the man hadn't been convicted of murder; he'd been convicted of kidnapping because he had he raped one of his victims, and he had pulled her from one area to another, and that was construed as um, kidnapping. Now, the red light bandit is what he was called. And, uh, of course, he denied it, but nonetheless, he was convicted because he had, as a teenager, as a young man, he had a long rap sheet of petty crimes, petty crimes, and he was kind of a smart ass. And uh, so that helped to convict him, too, I believe, is his reputation. But that interested me in that um, the books he wrote— the time, how he denied it, and yet here we go, you're going to the gas chamber. 
And then um, as a young woman, wife and mother, I was living in Arcadia, which is, I'm saying roughly maybe 30 miles. Somebody might know exact miles. I'm guessing 30 or so from um, where Charles Manson and his group killed Sharon Tate. And I remember the horror of that to think, if this can happen to somebody in Beverly Hills, this can happen to somebody like me in my house here in Arcadia. So um, when, why would somebody do something like that? The idea of um, how could somebody be so cruel, so wicked? So I was fascinated with that mindset of uh, the evil, as you might, evil, I guess that's a good word for it, uh, one of the people that was involved with this and was convicted of this actually went to high school in Monrovia, which is right next to Arcadia. And she was roughly, give or take a few years, about my age. And I, would, I thought, this is the most horrible thing. So it, that and then, of course, the Black Dahlia, like James Elroy. I mean, that's one thing I have in common with James Elroy, who was an excellent writer, is his interest in the Black Dahlia and growing up and um, so, yeah, basically that's where that interest came from. And uh, it, in Chessman in particular, I'm not super familiar with, with everything about him, but I do remember something about there were notable figures that were actually uh, that were all, uh, actually trying to get Chessman, uh, 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 grant him lem- clemency for his crimes, notable people, right? Am I, am I correct in, in this recollection? No, you're correct. And, um, I've, I've read a lot about, um, governor Brown at that time, Jerry Brown's father. And I think he was not, uh, he was not big on the death penalty, but I think it just moved beyond it. It, you know, it gets to a point where, there's nothing anybody can do to stop this. So, yeah, he did have a lot of well-known people because actually, and they changed that law. The, the federal law, the law was, if you committed it because of Lindbergh back in the 30s, if you kidnap somebody, you could suffer the death penalty for that. And technically, they this was a kidnapping because he moved this person from one place to another against her will. And so... Um, that was how they got the death penalty. And I believe that's since been changed now that kidnapping is no longer a death penalty offense. So that is that was sort of a true crime tale. But uh, as a young person, what was the ghost story then that I mean, I, I absolutely love you said it was your grandmother would read the de- detective magazines and the pulp magazines, which I love those. And I still love the artwork for those. And I'm I'm a fan of of uh, noir uh, crime books, which have kind of made a, a comeback in recent years. Yeah. But and I love the artwork that's that was always on those covers. But for you, what was sort of the ghost story or paranormal story or experience that that hooked you because that was a true crime side of it what about the paranormal side of it well there was actually um no paranormal side to that it was just um no there was no paranormal side to him but i had an experience as a child of 
I don't know, nine or 10, where uh, my father was really into, he was one of the original uh, subscribers to Fake Magazine, and he was strong into reincarnation. And he was into all this, and he, uh, that was like conversation around my dad's house. And uh, I remember in a playground situation, I was standing in the middle of the playground, probably daydreaming because I was that kind of kid. But anyway, um, and all of a sudden, I this aroma comes to me, and it's like uh, I can't even describe it. I'm go. I hate to use the word funeral flowers, but it was like flowers, and there's no flowers on the playground. And I and I was hearing something that's an angel. And I thought, well, that's weird. You can't be Angel because Angel is a boy in my class. But at any rate, so I started wondering more about, about um, is there more than just what I'm seeing here? Is there more to, to this existence? And I had a really, really, and that's probably just a childish ego thing, a hard, a really hard time. It was difficult for me to even comprehend that a world existed before can do it. I mean, I loved history, but still, this all this happened before I was even in the world. So on that end, if that could happen before I was in the world, imagine what would happen when I'm no longer part of the world. Does do people actually abandon this world? Are they able to come back and, and as ghost or as reincarnation? And I came to the conclusion that yeah, they can come back. So you're you're a believer. You're firmly in the believer camp. Yes. Okay. You in your personal journeys as an author and a researcher. I mean, look, it's when you start when you start uh, poking at the things at in the night that go bump in the night. They sometimes poke back, mm-hmm. and and as you know. I can relate that when you start traveling around to a lot of these locations, you might encounter some bizarre things along the way. So what what are some of the experiences that through your professional career you've come to encounter or more specifically, I think a lot of people always like to ask the questions about the scariest experience that you've had, the most frightening experience connected to this work. Um, well, I'll just, first, let me tell you about a, you talk a professional thing. Um, I wrote a book and, um, it, it's not a great book, so I won't even discuss the title, but (laughs) (laughs) I felt like, I mean, I literally felt like somebody was standing right in back of me saying, okay, and just dictating the whole book to me. I mean, I I guess I could blame it on a a ghost then. It was lousy. But the point is, yeah, I do that. I do believe that happens. I have a friend who just cracked out six excellent books, um, science fiction, which I think are just as good, if not better, than Stephen King. And I swear that he must have some uh, muse or something standing back of him telling him this and this, or he's a brilliant man. Um, But the scariest thing... I don't really get too scared about uh, ghosts and spirits, but um, it might be an experience I had with um, the late Mark and Debbie Constantino. We were at uh, 
the Myrtles and we were at Georgia, we were down at South. And this one group wanted to take us to uh, a cemetery, uh, the Noonday Cemetery. I never will forget it. And it, w- it was like, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we're the great ghost investigators from Nevada. And so they're going to show us their spot because we're here, you know. And we go to the cemetery and we get out and it's red mud. I mean, it's stuck to our shoes. I'd heard about the red mud there. A red set. It was literally sticking clay or something. So we get there and we're looking all, we're going through the cemetery and they're EVP we're trying to get and we're doing our photos and things. Um, and Debbie and I, we weren't, I always have to preface this. We weren't drinking, we weren't smoking pot, none of that. She, we stop and she says, do you see that? And I look and it's a tree. She said, look at it. And it wasn't a tree. It was, I swear, this sounds crazy, but it was like a little gargoyle, gargoyle, kind of a monster thing, you might say, um, like a troll. It was just weird looking, maybe, I don't know, four foot tall or so that would move up to us and stop, move a little bit closer and stop. And she looked at me and, and I looked at her and said, I think we should leave. We said, yeah, we're leaving. So we just left the cemetery. I mean, that was frightening. And then at the Myrtles, a similar, like a little creature or whatever you say, seemed to be there at times too. It was just really weird. Well, you know, I think that uh, along my journey in this, this strange world, I certainly allow for the possibility of all manner of bizarre things, of high, high strangeness. And I, I think that I, I firmly say when I when I chat about these topics, how I think when I began researching these things, I had very much a vanilla or black and white idea of the paranormal. And throughout the years uh, that my personal paradigm has shifted somewhat to to allow for so many other types of mm-hmm. phenomena. And I, I think, and I do want to give a shout out to, um, well, a, a nod, uh, and, and, uh, a nod to Mark and Debbie Constantino, great tragedy, um, to people that, uh, yes, you know, I, I was able to get to know quite a bit in the paranormal and, uh, they are greatly missed. And that said though, I read something about you about, I mean, you, you say you don't really get scared of ghosts. Um, you did have this weird experience of something, but I did hear about a frightening experience of yours on a Halloween night and, and, and it was aboard a boat. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Maybe this is the kind of thing that's on Wikipedia or in research that's totally wrong, but what you, you know where I'm going here with. Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah, it was, um, Hurricane Noel, Hurricane Noel, and I was on a cruise with some ghost hunting buddies, and we were going to Bermuda, but we were in the middle of the ocean, and it was a problem. They were wanting to turn the ship around, and uh, we were. We were um, doing EVP on, on that night, and we were in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle on Halloween, do an EVP. I mean, that's to me, that was kind of a frightening experience. Yeah. I mean, you're out in the middle of the ocean and hurricanes raging around you and you're trying to 
get the ghost of the um, Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. I, I would say that that counts as somewhat uh, creepy, at least <laughs> uh, creepy, yeah. at least it counts in the it's definitely creeptastic. Yes, yeah. the combination of hurricanes and Bermuda Triangle and paranormal investigations all at once. Yeah. So well, you you get you certainly get a, a tip of the hat from me because that is a um, that's an experience. That's an experience. I, it was. I yeah. <laughs> um, so, well another place i mean that's bermuda triangle but you also have some notable experiences or in another famous location both historically and possibly paranormally and i'm thinking of alcatraz you kind of have a very unique and special relationship with alcatraz and spoiler alert it's not that janice did time there <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so talk a little bit about your connection to Alcatraz. Well, I'll go back to being a kid again. Um, the first time I saw it, it was the little, the black and more red and white cruise ships went around and it was still very much a prison. So there were big signs. You, the boat couldn't get within so many hundreds of yards. And as we went by, of course, my imagine my ch- imagination. I'm wondering about these bad, evil people who are over there, and they're probably over there looking at us, wishing they were on the boat with us. Well, it would be many years, but I finally got to spend the night there. And um, the first night I spent the night, um, I was with the Taps people. They, I went there as a historian, and. Uh, it's wonderful because while they went off doing their ghost hunting things, I was left alone in an area and I got to be in like the uh, cafeteria all by myself and I could see the worn linoleum and just imagine Al Capone standing there with his lunch tray wanting his meatloaf and mashed potatoes and uh, I could walk around in spots and all by myself because I wasn't interfering with the filming and they didn't need me at the time. So um, that was to me a really, really cool experience. I also went there a couple of times. I went with Mark and Debbie and uh, we got some really good EVP there. So yeah, that um, it was a fun time. The thing of it is, is um, well, my husband hates me to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because I think it's yes. funny. Tell I, it. <laughs> oh, he hates it. But uh, I, there I am. I'm the historian on the ghost, uh, ghost to the taps, and I'm the. So my friend is doing a, a, a little event up in Virginia City at the time, and she has the, the satellite all set up, and I'm going to be there and talk about the experience of being at Alcatraz, and then you're going to get to see me talking about it on, on the big screen, and oh, I'm so excited, da da da. They cut me out. I was they didn't have me in the series, but they did thank me at the end. So there you go. So much for my my time in the spotlight in the taps. But they were very nice. I, I thought all of those people were very nice. They worked very hard. Um there was no I'm the star of the show and I don't have to do this. They brought in all their equipment. Matt and Jason and Grant and all of them there they were laying out wires and everything so I kind 
come away with a, a different uh, feeling of people always say, well, these TV stars and da-da-da. No, they, most of them work pretty damn hard. I mean, they're, they work for their money. They, they do. They don't get up there and, here, I'm a star, so I don't have to do that. So, yeah, that was, it was good. Well, and again, we are talking with uh, author and historian Janice Oberding, and we are talking about Virginia City and Virginia, Virginia City Comstock.com happening October 7th to 10th, 2021. You can get tickets at vccomcon.weebly.com. Dot com. I will be there. Janice will be there. Shane Pittman from the Holzer Files will be there. And just as a refresher, Janice here is a historian, a true crime buff, a paranormal enthusiast. She is the author of more than 30 books, including Haunted Reno, Ghosts of the Goldfield, and Tanapa, Ghosts and Legends, of Nevada's Highway 50, The Haunting of Las Vegas. She has a brand new book out, The Big Book of California Ghost Stories, and she literally wrote the book Haunted Virginia City. So she is the person and author to read about Virginia City and the ghosts of VC before Comstock Con. And Janice, before we get into the history and the haunted history of Virginia City, you know, just to break things up a little bit, I thought I would play a little game with you. It's called Choose Your News. Are you down with this? Sure. Sure. All right. Okay. Choose your news. Choose, choose, choose your, your, your new news. That's not how echoes work. I'm not very good at the whole echo thing. <laughs> but, you know, the production value on this uh, is fairly low. So I've just got to all do it with my voice. Okay. So the deal is it's not even that much of a game. It's sort of multiple choice. I'm going to read two headlines, recent headlines from the news. And you are going to pick which one you want to learn more about. So it's a very easy game. I probably should rethink the rules a little bit to make it more of a game. It's just option one, option two. But okay, choose your news. Okay, headline one. Headline one. This comes to us from NPR. Scientists say they could bring back woolly mammoths, but maybe they shouldn't. Scientists say they could bring back woolly mammoths, but maybe they shouldn't. That's from NPR. And the other headline, headline two, new evidence shows penguins might actually be aliens. New evidence shows penguins might actually be aliens. And that comes to us from the radio station WEBN. Janice, choose your news. The penguins. Penguins. I, you know, I think that's a good one. That's probably what I would have gone with as well. Uh, okay. So this comes from WEBN, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's rock station and FM home of the Cincinnati Bengals. I feel like I should say that. Not that I'm from Cincinnati, but, you know, go Bengals, I guess. WEBN, September 15th, 2021. And I quote, Lately, there has been a lot of talk about aliens. Video footage recently came out of Navy pilots encountering UFOs, which led to the release of an intelligence report on their existence. That report revealed 
that there have indeed been sightings of unidentified flying objects, but the government did not conclude that the aircrafts are extraterrestrial in nature. However, some researchers now think that not only do aliens exist, but they may be among us, and you may have even seen some of them at your local zoo. That is because... Scientists have discovered evidence that penguins could actually be extraterrestrial beings. The experts learned that in the penguins' poop, that's right, in their poop, are traces of a chemical called phosphine. Now, that may not seem like any big deal, except that the only place, only other place where phosphine exists is 38 million miles away in the atmosphere of the planet Venus. Dr. Dave Clements of the Imperial College of London, one of the researchers, told the Daily Star, we have reprocessed the data and we're pretty convinced that the phosphine finding is real, but we don't know what's making it. He went on to describe their challenges, saying it's very hard to measure and study because if you let oxygen in, it destroys it. Dr. Clements added, we would really like to study the penguin guano to understand the biology, but it's quite hard for astronomers to get a grant proposal to go and play with penguins. So we're trying to navigate through interdisciplinary fields. So Janice, this, I think this story, I think you chose wisely because this story has penguins. It's got penguin poop. It's got phosphine. It's got astronomers that want to go play with penguins. I think it has it all. What do you think? Did you choose wisely? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah. I did. I, I think I think you did good. And um, so uh, penguins, aliens, aliens are amongst us, you know, and they're kind of adorable, too. So uh, let's get into some of the history. You did great, by the way. Uh, let's get into some of the history of Virginia City. I, I you you have so much research locked away in your brain but can you give us a little bit of a background of Virginia City and also what makes it yeah what make what historically what would set it up to make it a great haunted town a great paranormal city okay but before i do that i don't want to forget you you did pronounce tonopah correctly when you, the, it is tonopah yeah you, oh cool yeah. all right I assumed I got it wrong, but thank you, Janice. <laughs> um, I think what makes it historically haunted is that uh, it was founded during the um, California gold rush. Everybody went to California to try in 1840s. And as when the rush was over and the gold was, there was not that much gold. Uh, silver was discovered in outside of Virginia City. Uh, about the same time as the California gold rush was ending. So everybody who had a get-rich-quick scheme and a shovel and high hopes came, they called it the rush to Washoe, and they came to Virginia, Comstock, Virginia City area, to look for theirs. Well, two, uh, um, the, the original people who were involved in that, the Rush brothers, watched as the rest of these people out there looking for silver when they came across this blue stuff they were throwing it away oh this blue stuff's no good but the garage brothers had studied um, this and they knew that's really silver unfortunately they both um they were the one the original discoverers of i guess i believe the comstock load but uh they never were able to um 
enjoy it because they both died shortly after that. So it was like almost like it was cursed. But greed is one thing that drove a lot of people to Virginia City. And in all that, there was a lot of us. And uh, pe people didn't uh, value life. I mean, you'd have 20-year-olds uh, killing other people, killing themselves. I mean, uh, the least little thing that happened in their lives, they were ready to end it all, commit suicide or shoot this one or shoot so, uh, violence, the greed, and then something else I'm, I'm researching a little bit because I found a, a correlation I think is interesting is spiritualism up there. Uh, during the 1848, 1850s, um, the Fox sisters contacted or said they contacted a spirit, uh, which they later denied. But anyway, that gave rise to the spiritualism. And approximately where, where terrorists were one of the, the locations where terrorists are going to hunt, during Terry's event is actually very near the spiritualist hall. And these people would all got together and had their circles, which we call seances, they call them circles, and they call to these spirits at that time. So I'm thinking a lot of the ghost and spirit activity there is also because these people call them but they didn't necessarily close their circle and say, okay, we're done with you now. Uh, let's close this and you go your way and we'll go ours. And I believe there's still a lot of um, ghosts or spirit wandering around. We were called now, what do we do type thing in Virginia City. So you have the violence, uh, you have the spiritualism. There was a much interest in ghosts back in those days. People think it's something new that just started here 20 years ago. No, that's not true. It's been going on for hundreds of years. And Virginia City was like a hub of it uh, because they didn't have TV. They didn't have uh, the internet. They had nothing. So their entertainment was getting together. They had a piece of equipment they called the dial, which was the precursor to the Ouija board. And they would actually call the spirits and talk to and communicate with the um, uh, the dead like that so that the crime the violence i i believe that's why there's so much haunting up there right and just for clarification so uh when janice mentions tara tara is the organizer of the virginia city comstock con again october 7th to 10th 2021 get your tickets at vccomcon.weebly.com and some of the locations that we hear about in relation to virginia city there's multiple that i've heard about there's the St. Paul, the uh, St. Paul, the Prospector Episcopal Church, if I recall, there's the Knights of the Pythias, 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 um, the Territorial Enterprise, and of course, the Washoe Club. And the Washoe Club might be the most famous there. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you can walk us through a little bit about that. I mean, I, the Washoe Club, you obviously are more of the expert on it, but I know that it's a historic saloon. There's a lot of haunted tales connected to it. Pretty much every ghost show seems like they have filmed there. 
And it's it looks like this, like I said, I'm quite excited to be going to it, but right in the heart of Virginia City on on I guess C Street is this 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 fairly large where it seems like a large brick building and the and it's funny for a silver town you might say that this takes the gold uh, of of VC so this place that's been on ghost hunters ghost adventures and is this old wild west saloon that enough makes me curious but what's some of the history connected to it that lends itself to potential paranormal activity, Janice? Well, uh, it is. I, I believe it's one of the most haunted locations in Virginia City. Um, and people, it's one of those places, it, people, you can feel that it's haunted. When you go in there, you go into the bar, you can, I mean, you may not see a ghost at the time, but it's actually, you can feel it. When you go upstairs, you you can feel up there too. And uh, it started off as the Millionaire's Club. Uh, the, there was a great fire in 1875, original Millionaire's burned, so they came down and built it on C Street. Um, and that was for wealthy men, the men, the people who had made it in the mining. Most people didn't make it, but those who had more money than God and had made it, this club was so they could mix with one another and have not about the riffraff and they could uh, you know, play pool and drink and smoke their cigars and also they sneaked prostitutes in, in there. And there's one story that one of the prostitutes died in upstairs. Uh, there's many different stories as to how she died, but she did die up there. And that's uh, Lena, the, the woman in blue that you see on the stairs often. She's one re one ghost there. Um, and I know I've been involved with um, EVP. I'll, I'll tell you that it's very haunted um i did a investigation and uh with here i'm going to go back to um mark and debbie again after they had passed we did an investigation with um his sister and his brother and debbie bender and a few of us were up there and lear was eerie because she's using Mark and Debbie's recorder, his sister. And that, that in itself was kind of eerie to me to look and see their equipment. I mean, it's just really weird. And very clearly, we got Mark's voice saying, Mark. And then we heard a woman scream. I mean, we all heard this. So somebody said, I wonder if that's Debbie and she wants the attention. So we stopped. And I think there was five or six of us recording. And we said, um, Debbie, we're all here if you'd like to say something to us we'll we'll record it we never got a word never heard anything um record none of those recorders picked this screaming up so i believe and i've heard other people say that she's up there i believe she's another ghost there's a man who committed suicide himself there and there's a couple of really not very nice um negative spirits up there too and the thing is you never know who you're going to run into up there i mean you're going to encounter a friendly ghost or you're going to run into this negative ghost um 
you never know. But it's it's very, very active because um, there again, I believe, because of the woman who was killed there. And then it was uh, one time it was even an apartment building and uh, a lot of um, uh, unpleasantries at that time in there. So there's a couple of reasons why it's haunted. And and thank you for that. Yeah, what I find fascinating is the so the overall Virginia City, if uh, if I am accurate, is the largest historic district in the state of Nevada. And and then right in the heart of this is obviously the Washoe Club. And this location, it, it it's I think a lot of times we have this notion of the old West, American West and to your point, this was a place, this wasn't just a place where gunslingers and prostitutes gathered. It seems like they were there, but it was a place where the wealthiest of the wealthy would gather, as you, as you said, people with more money than God. And because of, because of the Comstock, because that was just like flushing out millions of dollars in, in the, in that silver and the very profitable silver. So we have these, 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 High class, upper crust uh, type of 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 rich, wealthy people there, and of course they want a place where they can hang out with other rich, wealthy people. That kind of happens yeah. even to this day, right? Um, but when it reopens in 1876, the some of the things that really piqued my interest is that this there was opulence on display in this this 19th century building you talk a little bit about that i mean i've heard about italian marble i've heard about bronze statues i've heard about some of the rooms that are in of themselves quite notable is there anything that you can speak to with regards to those um well the carpeting i mean the, the carpeting was very expensive too uh and the silver that they used that extensively because they had it. I mean, uh, yeah, it was just, of course, the wealth for the wealthy. So they didn't want any brass or junk. They wanted, they wanted uh, the best, and that's why it was built this way and designed and decorated that way. No expense spared because they could afford the best. And and a library that was that rivaled um, some of the the great libraries in major cities, uh, and a an incredibly grand billiards room, and mm-hmm. it, so this club, this millionaires club, you have to be a millionaire millionaire to be part of it. Who were some of the people that were part of the old Washoe Club, the Millionaires Club? Well. Um... I believe John Mackey, the big four, and now uh, the big four were four men who made who struck it rich and um, made their fortunes there. And John Mackey was one, and um, Sharon was another. You know, <laughs> there was four of them though, and of course they were all members. As were I've read that. Mark Twain, although he wasn't a millionaire at that time, I've read that he was also. But him being a journalist, he might have been able to get in there on the 
you know, pretense of he was writing something, but he was a member. And um, that's the ones that come to mind now. Um, John Is it true? Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, that was it. I was just mentioning John Mackey again. Is it true that Edwin Booth, who, of course, was the brother of John Wilkes Booth and also an actor, was a member of this club? Because Edwin Booth was quite, uh, quite um, well off and was a celebrity of his time before, of course, that Booth name changed things. But is that part accurate? Was he part of the old Washoe Club, the Millionaire's Club? You know, I don't know. But if I had to bet, I would say no. But I don't know. And I'll tell you, um, this is the this is the thing about Virginia City history. And it's a wonderful history. Um, over time, it, it cha- people, it changed. People will change like, um, let's say the Piper's Opera House up there. Maybe 30 years ago, 50 years ago, they used to advertise that Houdini appeared here, and they had a long list of people who appeared there at Piper's. Well, they didn't actually appear on, they appeared on film is how they appeared at, at Piper's. And there was a couple of men who came there, and uh, Ch- Charles Clegg and Lucius Beebe, and they came in the early 50s. They were partners and Lucius Beebe wrote about train history and Charles Kleb was a photographer and they wrote many books but he and he's my hero uh, Lucius Beebe but a lot of people say that he changed the history he they started up the oh, Mark Twain's old um, where Tara's going to go, the territorial enterprise. They started that up again. And he wanted, uh, I don't know if he wanted a lot of tourism, but he wanted some. So he enhanced history a lot. So that might be part of his enhancement. I really don't know if, I would doubt that he Edwin Booth was a member, but it's possible. And the you mentioned Mark Twain and the territorial enterprise. Of course, Mark Twain wrote for was a reporter in Virginia City for the territorial enterprise, a newspaper. And that was enormously important for his 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 journey and notoriety, emerging notoriety as an author, because his experiences writing for the territorial enterprise and his experiences in the American West did inspire uh, Roughing It, which was uh, an important work for him. And I apologize if someone's hearing New York City outside my window, not the American West, but more like the loud metropolitan American East. And so that's, yeah, the Mark Twain connection is one that's, you know, especially kind of intriguing to me as as a journalist and a fan of Twain. So, of course, we have this club that had all this membership, but all good things come to an end, right? So the Comstock uh, started to decline. So, and so as the Comstock, so goes the Washoe Club. So it starts to peter out in the 1890s, late 1890s, and 
the Territorial Enterprises actually wrote about it, said the closing of the Washoe Club marks the end of an era in the history mm. of Nevada. So from there, the the but it didn't stop. It didn't close entirely. Right. The saloon, even though the club closed, there was still a saloon in operation in the building. Correct. Yeah, there was there was um, there was the connection. There was um, still people came to the bar. Um, they may have even had a restaurant in there at one time. And then they had the room up the rooms upstairs that they converted into apartments and stuff. So it was always a continual uh, people coming in. Uh, now, you got to know, though, before all this ended, it's actually uh, with apologies to my friends in San Francisco, it was actually the silver from Virginia City that helped to build San Francisco. And that's that's a fact. Um Adolf Sutro is a big name, uh, Sutro in San Francisco, but he actually began his wealth and his tunnel in Virginia City, as they all did. I mean, Mackie, um, his wife didn't really like uh, the small town of Virginia City. She wanted something more cosmopolitan and I'm sure all of their wives, they wanted to shop more and uh, better fashions and, and better homes, too. Uh, they had all this money. They didn't want to live like um, even the millionaires wrote something more exclusive. So they took their money and just went down to San Francisco or other parts. Yeah. I And I, I just want to clarify something in case anyone out there may you know may hear the name Mackie and leap to a different Mackie uh Bobby Mackie <laughs> not connected spelled differently uh John Mackie was he was an industrialist and he was part of the the silver uh mining industry uh, uh, no relation spelled differently and just so we don't confuse our 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 notable paranormal names yeah. out there uh there uh, and yeah. you know and I won't keep you too much longer I am I am intrigued to learn about, again, super excited to be going to Virginia City Comstock Con because I've not been there. But there is a crypt in the building. Is that is that accurate? And how does that can connect to the the ghostly claims of this of this historic well, building? Because um, at a time uh, and, and I've had people dispute this and I've had people dig up and no pun intended and show that it actually did happen. And I believe it did happen is at a time when, when people would die and they couldn't dig graves because the ground was too frozen solid. They kept the bodies here in the back of the Washoe club. The crypt is what they called it. They kept them there until they could be, because it was cool, you know, um, it's all brick, and I believe that's where they, they kept the beer and everything cool. Um, so they buried the body. They kept the bodies there until spring, and then they had to haul them out and bury them. And some of those um, who were kept there probably still wandering the Washoe Club. All right. that's. I mean, that's a, that's a nice spooky tease. And during all this time, even though the saloon may have been operating, the, the 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 other floors, the second and third floors, remained 
empty, untouched, just left, left alone. And it's true. And you know, one one can't help but think about maybe as this was happening, maybe uh, the resident spirits moved to the upper floors and decided to roam those halls. Something of a a uh, you know a, a paranormal pressure cooker was just kind of happening. This energy just building and building and building. And who knows? Maybe that is that's maybe that that certainly. Whatever the reason, we know for a fact that this building and Virginia City as a whole really attracts investigators from all over the world, really. This is, yes. this is one of the big ones. This is one of the big locations. And yes, it is. So you're, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you um, on, on, uh, on, on the spot here as someone that has grew up partially in Nevada and California, and you alluded to this earlier, but where, where does it rank in your opinion of most haunted places in Nevada? Does it, does it, do you think it does rank as the most haunted place in Nevada? Virginia city? Yeah, I do. I think it is the most haunted. Uh, I believe it ranks up higher than a lot that it's one of the most haunted cities in the country, I would say. I believe that. I believe it is the most haunted city. Uh, you have, like, the Goldfield in Goldfield, and you might have, um, say, the Mizpah in Tonopah. But Virginia City, you're going to be hard-pressed to go anywhere. I, whatever shop you go into, whatever restaurant, you're going to be hard-pressed to go anywhere and not run into a ghost or hear about a haunting or something because there's a lot of ghosts there. Which is pretty great for those that are going to the Virginia City Comstock.com. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty good sales pitch. Uh, well, and and you would know because you are the person that wrote Haunted Virginia City and um, I, you know and Haunted Reno and more than thirty other books. And bef- you know, finally, before we wrap it up and let you go, you also do have a new book out, the Big Book of California Ghost Stories. It's really it's really brand new, right? Just came out. Uh, so. Tell us a little bit about that, and for readers that pick up Haunted Virginia City, as they should, what might they find in the big book of California ghost stories that you're especially excited for them to read? Well, I'm especially excited for them to read uh, more about the um, the missions and the early history of of California, because as I said earlier, history and ghosts are connected. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the book because uh, just different places and locations and things that um, I like to explore that I included. But I was also, the title, right, it, it's a series, the big book stories is a series. And um, I was excited because when you write, like um, when I wrote Virginia City or things, I was often, I felt um, obligated, if you will, if you say, okay, this is a ghost. Well, what did this ghost hunter, this investigator, what did they discover? What's their evidence and what's this? I wasn't under that at all in these stories in California because uh, these who knows? I mean, um, these are the stories that I've told. These are 
been told. These are the stories I've found in old newspapers and research. They're wonderful. Uh, some of these places I know definitely are haunted, but it's not like, okay, here's my evidence. I present evidence. So that was fun, just writing the stories, just telling the stories. And... Janice, for anyone that wants to reach out to you and just, you know, keep up with you on a daily basis, of course, they're going to go to Amazon, they're going to pick up your books, but where else can people find you? Uh, Well, I'm on Facebook a lot. Um, I have Janice Oberding. I'm on Facebook. I have um, Janice Oberding writer where occasionally I'll even talk. I mean, I'll even go, I, I, you know, you know that yourself when you have like, uh, you're doing something, it's hard sometimes to get in there every day and put something new and exciting and all that. So I'd say Facebook is probably the best. Well, I think with more than 30 books out there, there's a lot of reading people can do in case you, if you're having a slow Facebook day and you still need a dose of Janice in your life, there's plenty of books out there that they can read on a daily basis from you. And not only can they find you on Amazon and on Facebook, but they can find you October 7th to 10th at Virginia City Comstock con i will be there as well and i'm super excited to be there and my buddy shane Pittman from the holzer files will be there you know that guy that guy with a beard that's way better than my beard he's gonna be there we're gonna be hanging out and if you just go online and you look at the the roster not the, the schedule for this event it is insane in a good way. Like we're, you're going to check in at your lodging location. We're going to hang out at, for a meet and greet at the Washoe club and at the Washoe club bar. It's going to be, I'm, I'm going to be there all night. We're going to go get some jerky at the jerky company. We're going to check out some crystals and pendulums, maybe have some lunch at the palace. I hear, I hear they have incredible spiked milkshakes we're going to be doing uh, lots of talks, including a guest panel. Head over to the Bats in the Belfry Ghost Walk for a walking tour of haunted highlights of Virginia City. And of course, of course, a paranormal event means we're going to have some paranormal investigations. And we're not talking about one hour, we're not talking about two hours. We're going from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Friday night. And then on Saturday night, we're going to do it again. We're going to have more investigations. We're going to have workshops during the day. And and it's just going to be a jam-packed party, jam-packed paranormal party. And you're going to be all of the paranormal party peeps that are going to be there. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you there. And if you haven't already and you want to check out this amazing Virginia City Comps.com, come, come hang out with Janice and myself and Shane Pittman. You're going to go to vccomcon.weebly.com. Get your tickets. Come nerd out. Come get come get weird with us. Let's have a spooky good time. And Janice, I am so incredibly grateful for your time tonight and for just 
giving me the rundown of all of these amazing history and it has me i was already excited to go to virginia city and i am perhaps even more excited now so janice oberding thank you so much for your time amazing author historian thanks for listening please consider giving nightmarica a review on apple podcasts it really helps raise awareness and boost the show's rankings also Give me a follow on social media at Nightmarica on Instagram and Facebook and at Aaron Sagers on Instagram and Twitter. And share Nightmarica with your friends. If you are able, I'd really appreciate your support on patreon.com slash Aaron Sagers, where I also create tiki recipes, hold live streams, and share exclusive content. If you'd like to share your own paranormal stories or get paranormal advice, for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com.